0: The following article is from the Scottish Rite Reporter, May 2005. William McKinley, President and Mason William McKinley, 25th President, 1897-1901, to 1901, was born at Niles, Ohio on January 29, 1843 as a young man he enlisted in an ohio infantry unit as a private at the beginning of the civil war and saw his first action at carnifex ferry on september tenth eighteen sixty one at winchester virginia while managing and overseeing protection of an army hospital he noticed that the regimental surgeon distributed gifts of tobacco and money to certain patients he was told that these particularly wounded southerners were brother masons Impressed by these Masonic interactions between Confederate prisoners and Union doctors in a time of war and hatred, he strove to find an explanation. After learning the reasons, he presented a petition and was made a Mason in a Confederate lodge, Hiram Lodge No. 21, receiving all three degrees in three days, May 1, 2, and 3, 1865, with a Confederate chaplain, J.B.T. Reed, serving in the East for the entire time. He demitted the same day he was raised, affiliating with Canton Lodge No. 60 of Canton, Ohio, August 21, 1867, only to become a charter member on June 2, 1869 of Eagle Lodge No. 431 of the same city, which afterwards changed its name to William McKinley Lodge No. 431. He received the Royal Arch degree in Canton, Chapter Number no. 84, December 28, 1883 was made a knight templar in Canton Commandery number no. 38 December 23 1884 elected a life member of Washington Commandery number no. 1 DC December 23 1896 and became an honorary member of the Illinois Masonic Veteran Association October 26 1898 Resuming civilian life, he went to law school at Albany, New York, and, after admission to the Ohio Bar and a few years of law practice, he became a U.S. congressman from Ohio and spent the rest of his life in public office, including service as chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, governor of Ohio, and eventually president of the United States. He died in Buffalo, New York, on September 14, 1901, following his assassination on September 6, 1901. The following article is from the August 1999 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. A Masonic President, The Campaign of 1896, by S. Dennis Phillips, 32nd Degree. The Presidential Campaign of 1896 clearly illustrates the diversity and high quality of the men who are drawn to Masonry. Born in 1860 in Salem, Illinois, William Jennings Bryan grew up in an active Democratic family, He graduated from Illinois College as valedictorian and delivered his address on character. Bryan proceeded on to Union College of Law and in 1883 opened his practice in Jacksonville, Illinois. In 1887, he moved his practice to Lincoln, Nebraska, where the outgoing high-spirited young lawyer joined several organizations, including Lincoln Lodge No. 14. On April 15th, later affiliating with Temple Lodge No. 247, Miami, Florida, From Lincoln, Bryan began his ascent up the political ladder. William McKinley was born in 1843 in Niles, Ohio. Young McKinley attended Allegheny College, but due to illness and his father's financial problems, he was unable to continue his studies. He was clerking in a post office in an effort to raise the money to continue his education when the Civil War broke out. McKinley enlisted in the 23rd Ohio and, due to his excellent service, was mustered out as a brevet major in 1865. At the end of the war, McKinley, who was visiting an army hospital, noticed the friendliness with which a Union surgeon treated some wounded Confederates. After some inquiry, McKinley found that the wounded Southerners and the surgeon were Freemasons. He soon made known his desire to join a fraternity with such strong bonds of brotherhood. The future president was raised a Master Mason in Hiram Lodge No. 21, West Winchester, Virginia, by a Confederate chaplain, J.B.T. Reed, as worshipful master. On re-entering civilian life, McKinley entered Albany Law School and, upon passing the bar examination, set up practice in Canton, Ohio. There, like Brother Bryan, he too began to ascend the political ladder. In 1896, when the Republicans gathered in St. Louis to nominate their presidential candidate, McKinley, then governor of Ohio, was the clear favorite and became the Republican presidential nominee standing on a platform anchored by a gold standard plank. When the Democrats gathered in Chicago, there was no such clear-cut front-runner. The closest there was to a favorite was Richard P. Bland of Missouri. No one seemed to consider William Jennings Bryan to a serious candidate. That all changed during debate on a free silver plank when Bryan delivered what is arguably his most famous political speech, which he closed with one of the most famous lines in American history, "'You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind on a cross of gold.'" After this speech, it was only a matter of time, and on the fifth ballot, Brother Bryan became the presidential nominee of the Democratic Party. In the campaign that followed, the styles of the two candidates were as different as their political philosophies. McKinley knew that when it came to oratorical power and stage presence, he was no match for his much younger opponent. He decided that rather to try to match Bryan, he would conduct a front porch campaign and speak only to those who visited him as his Canton, Ohio home. In fact, except for two non-political commitments he had made before the convention and a one-week rest break in August, McKinley stayed in Canton throughout the campaign. Fortunately for McKinley, his campaign manager, Mark Hanna, and the National Republican Party were not so passive. Hanna raised huge sums of money from Wall Street interests, terrified of a Bryan presidency. And the Republican National Committee arranged transportation to Canton for thousands of people, all potential or actual contributors, from across the country. On one day alone in September, special trains brought over 20,000 people to Canton to hear and see McKinley. Bryan, on the other hand, had very little money to work with and had to contend with a national party lacking strong unity. His greatest asset was his own stamina and oratorical brilliance. While his Republican opponent stayed home, Bryan put in 18-hour days, traveled thousands of miles, and made almost 3,000 speeches. At one point in Delaware, the strain became too much and Bryan collapsed, but was fully recovered and ready to go the next morning. On election day, McKinley continued the Republican domination of the White House, but by the barest of margins. The Republican candidate won less than 51% of the vote, and Bryan carried five more states than did McKinley. On the other hand, McKinley's electoral college margin was fairly comfortable. The two Masons would face each other again in 1900, with McKinley again coming out the winner. Then in 1901, President McKinley was felled by an assassin's bullet. During his tenure in office, McKinley led the country through an era of great change, and more importantly, he began the process of making the United States into a world power. Bryan, whom many consider the founder of the modern Democratic Party, continued his service to the nation until his death in 1925 at Dayton, Tennessee. In 1908, he was, for the third time, the Democratic nominee for president, served President Woodrow Wilson as Secretary of State from 1913 to 1915 and throughout his life he remained the dominant figure in the Democratic Party. Brothers William Jennings Bryan and William McKinley, two men in a line of many masons who dedicated their lives to their country and two men of which our fraternity, can be truly proud. Mm-hmm. The following article is from the September 2001 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. This is titled, Brother William McKinley, Pillar of Masonry, War Hero, President, by Julian E. Ensley, 32nd degree. President McKinley stood on a platform at Buffalo, New York on September 5, 1901 and addressed a sweeping crowd of visitors at the Pan American Exhibition. He explained the wide range of problems facing the nation, and, as he enumerated the problems, he presented his proposals for solutions. The next day, September 6, 1901, as he hosted a reception at the Exposition's Music Hall, loud shots rang out. He slumped to the floor, mortally wounded and bleeding profusely. Eight days later, the 25th President of the United States and a strong proponent of Freemasonry died in Buffalo, New York, Hospital. In earlier years, he had a long experience of gunfire, roaring cannons, and death. He had enlisted in an Ohio infantry unit as a private at the beginning of the Civil War and saw his first action at Carnifex Ferry on September 10, 1861. The following year represented what was probably his most trying and yet most successful military service. He fought in the South Mountain Battle on September 14, 1862, and three days later performed truly outstanding service in the bloodiest of all Civil War battles, Antietam, on 17 September 1862. For his performance there, he was commissioned a second lieutenant. In subsequent battles, which included Lexington, Kernstown, Opecun Creek, also known as Winchester, Fishers, and Cedar Creek, all in 1864, he kept up his exceptional service to the Union cause. During that time, he rose to the rank of captain, and on March 13, 1865, he was brevetted major for gallantry in battle by President Abraham Lincoln himself. At Winchester, Virginia, while managing and overseeing protection of an army hospital, he was made a mason. Impressed by the Masonic interactions between Confederate prisoners and Union doctors in a time of war and hatred, he strove to find an explanation. After learning the reasons, he presented a petition to Hiram Lodge No. 21, Winchester. As a Union Army major, he was made a Mason in a Confederate lodge, receiving all three degrees in three days, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 1865, with a Confederate chaplain, J.B.T. Reed, serving in the East the whole time. When mustered out of service on July 26, 1865, he was acting assistant adjutant general under General S.C. Carroll, who commanded the Veteran Reserve Corps at Washington, D.C. Resuming civilian life, he went to law school at Albany, New York, and after admission to the Ohio Bar and a few years of law practice, he became a U.S. congressman from Ohio and spent the rest of his life in public office, including service as chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee governor of Ohio and president of the United States. The harshest event during his term was the Spanish-American War, which he had thought preventable and which he did all in his power to avert. His massive public record is extant and truly remarkable. His Masonic record is almost equally impressive. He never forgot Masonry, and holding the full range of York Wright degrees, he delivered the address at the centennial of Washington's death. On December fourteenth, 1899, at Mount Vernon, brother McKinley, addressed the Masonic observance of the centennial, saying, Their fraternity justly claims the immortal patriot as one of its members, and the whole human family acknowledges him as one of its greatest benefactors. He regularly visited lodges in his national travels and in Washington, D.C. A delegation from Columbia Lodge Number 2397 visited him in the White House and gave him a certificate of membership in that lodge in London, England. He attended a reception in his honor at California Commandery No. 1 in San Francisco on May 22, 1901. During an Imperial Council meeting in Washington, he received the Shriners at the White House and also at the White House tendered a reception for the Scottish Rites Supreme Council Southern Jurisdiction on October 23, 1899. Those activities typified his regular promotion of and participation in our honorable institution. Anarchist Leon Cholgos killed the man, but he could not kill his exemplary record of humanitarian achievements and public service. Brother McKinley's remains were accompanied from the White House to the Capitol by five commanderies of Knights Templar. He lay in state two days, and on September 19, 1901, uniformed Knights Templar, some 2,000 strong, formed one full division of the funeral escort. The 14th of this month, September 2001, Marks the centennial anniversary of the President McKinley's death, and we can be justly grateful and proud to refer to him as our brother. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and Lodge members. Visit us online at SolomonStaircase.org.